Hey everyone, welcome in to another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshall, inside TCO Studios at Winter Park. My usual partner in crime is here, producer Nate Vaughn, by my side. Lots to get to on this edition of the Wobcast. We have three guests whom we are going to bring in, and they are our writing crew here at the Vikings Entertainment Network, Craig Peters, Lindsay Young, and Eric Smith are here to break down the Vikings draft, the Vikings rookie minicamp, and the Vikings draft class. Nate, this is going to be a lot for you to juggle. Are you up for it? Uh, I'm up for the challenge. We're going to make uh, your writers wait a little bit and make them sweat before they uh, jump in because we have some, some big news to talk about. We do. And cue the music. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. The St. Paul representation is going up yes. by two times in this Wapcast. Oh boy. Lots of St. Paul in this Wapcast. I hope that's 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 all right with all of you listeners out there. He's coming home, baby. Michael Floyd, St. Paul native, uh, also the current hometown of one Nate Vaughn, our producer. St. Paul Pride is happening right now. Michael Floyd coming back to your Minnesota Vikings on what has been reported as a one-year deal. Interesting, on the very first day in which free agent signings do not count against your compensatory formula, the Vikings make a move for Michael Floyd. Rick Spielman getting all sly and wise once again with a great free agent signing in terms of timing. We'll see if it turns out to be a great free agent signing in terms of player and production. Um, we think it could be, though, because Michael Floyd obviously um, was a highly regarded draft prospect, uh, was taken by the Arizona Cardinals early, and, um, and has a great combination of size and speed, athleticism, played at the University of Notre Dame with Kyle Rudolph. So lots to be excited about with this. Big red zone physical receiver. Um, scored a touchdown against the Vikings a couple of years ago um, down, uh, down in Arizona. So, um, yeah, I mean, and a lot was made about this signing. In fact, um, Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network broke it down recently. Um, and here's what they had to say about this signing. Michael Floyd has a new home. Let's get to that one, which was going to be our top story until about 10 minutes ago. The former first-round pick of the Cardinals back in 2012, cut last year late in the season, ended up in New England. Ian, he is now a Viking. Yeah, he is signing with the Vikings today, Andrew. Agreed to terms. Just a couple minutes ago, I've been talking with them and a couple other teams trying to make his decision after the compensatory pick deadline. The, the same one that ensnared LeGarrette Blunt did not ensnare Michael Floyd. So he is signing with the Minnesota Vikings, his hometown team, I'm told. It is a one-year contract worth about $1.5 million. But the best-case scenario for Floyd is that he makes $6 million in total incentives. Has a chance to go out there, kill it, uh, make good, and then essentially, uh, uh, potentially, sign a big free agent contract for 2018. All right, so today is May 10th. Yeah, go ahead. Just from a football standpoint here, I covered the Vikings extensively last year from training camp through a number of games. This is a potential physical presence, a red zone guy for them. Laquan Treadwell was supposed to be that guy, was not last year. And we shall see if maybe Michael Floyd winds up stealing some of those red zone targets from him this year. At the end of the day, Nate, I think we need to blend being excited about adding a good player, uh, but also remembering... He was a free agent at this time of the year for a reason. 
we have guys already on the roster who have proven themselves. And so this is going to be a situation where Michael comes in and, and competes for some time. And I'm not saying pump the brakes on the enthusiasm, but you know he's going to come in here and basically com- compete. Nothing's going to be given to him. Right. And uh, but but like you said, there there is probably reason to be excited. I mean, yeah. uh, there's no denying his talent as a player. He's he's been a good player for years now in yep. in Arizona. Um, got a little taste of what a championship team is like when he was in New England for a few weeks last mm-hmm. year. Um, so hopefully, some of those experiences, good and bad, yeah. uh, can can uh, help produce yeah. a big piece of the Vikings puzzle this season. And speaking of big piece, he is something we don't have at wide receiver. That big, tall, physical, 50-50 go up and 50-50 ball, go up and get it receiver, right? I mean, right. we have Kyle Rudolph, who is that, but he's a tight end. Right. At wide receiver, uh, we don't have that uh, profile of player because he's bigger, he's taller than Laquan. Like, Laquan is the big physical receiver that we hope will take a step forward, but Floyd is the tall guy who can go up and get it. Do we have any receivers now, assuming Michael Floyd takes a number within the region <laughs> of numbers that he yeah. has had in the past? Do we have a single receiver in the 80s? Let's see. No. We, I, um, we don't. Yeah, I can't any, think of any. Any player in the 80s is a tight end for us. Yeah. So So if you're a tight end, right. we have plenty of room for you, at least numbers-wise. He's going to have – I think he's going to have – Michael Floyd's going to have to have a number in the 80s. Are they all taken in the teens? I believe so. So anyway, so that's his first challenge. Maybe some negotiating in the locker room. Ooh, there could be. There usually is for numbers. Okay, um, let's transition from a free agent signing back to a different avenue of player acquisition, and that's the draft. This is where we're going to bring in our writers to talk about the draft and rookie minicamp and general observations about some of the players the Vikings have added in the last couple of weeks. We're going to start that off with Craig Peters who actually compiled a list of all the trades the Vikings made, uh, which probably took him an entire uh, workday to do. (laughs) Um, So Craig has the full list of the trades we made. We're going to go over a few other topics, but um, welcome into the show, Craig. Thanks for coming down here and doing this with us. Uh, Instead of going through every trade or talking about every trade or, um, you know, getting too lost in the weeds... You, you compiled them all, and after compiling them all and after living through it, what did you think of the strategy of the trades we made? Because we went both up and back. I like the uh, aggressiveness early, and then I like the stockpile of trade uh, draft picks late. So when you see a player that uh, Rick, Rick uses the term covet, mm-hmm. um, the Vikings twice went up to address specific needs that we knew we would have going into the draft. Yes. Like Dalvin Cook at running back, the versatility there, the the dynamic playmaking, the yards after contact is fantastic. Uh, it's fun to watch. Just He kind of just like steams right through tacklers. Yes. And uh, it's, it's really great. And then Pat Elfline, I mean, that's uh, going to be another great versatile pick. Experience at guard, at center, one year at center, and he wins the Remington yeah. Trophy, the best center in the country award. Yeah. So that's uh, also the nerve center of the offensive line. Great to have a young uh, prospect there. Um, and then later on, as as you start to add picks, we had plenty of roster space. A little bit different situation this year with uh, we're going to look to rookies a little bit more, yeah. I believe, than last season. Okay. Coming off the, the 2015 NFC North champions, not yeah. a ton of turnover. 
So a couple spots on defense are now available. And then, uh, you know, and the offense is, is kind of getting a, a revamping. Yeah. Um, with the trades, you know, I think if you could find the actual, the real numbers of percent chance of making the 53-man roster, first round, second round, third round, fourth round, all the way through, I would imagine that at some point there is a steeper drop-off than what had previously happened from one round to the next. And I, I, my guess would be... That without, sounds like some homework. Right. Without looking at the data, I'm, I'm going to guess, but after 12 years in the league, um, and maybe you will agree or not, I would guess that, that that's probably going to start happening in the middle rounds. Like it's going to happen somewhere like in the fourth or fifth round. And so to me, the as many darts as you can have to throw at the dartboard philosophy is, is a day three philosophy, and that's kind of what we did. I believe that that's a great way to approach things. It's a numbers game. It's almost like if you're if you're doing sales and mm-hmm. you just it's it's all about numbers, persistence, um, but like uh, strategy as well. So yeah. definitely a lot of strategy went into it. Uh, definitely with the the nature of football, it's you have to have depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, every team has it. It hits them a certain way at a certain time every year. Uh, one thing that Rick also mentioned was the depth in this particular draft in the yeah. middle rounds. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Vikings felt like they could nudge down a few spots, mm-hmm. still get a player they wanted. That I think that Jaleel Johnson, uh, you know, early on day three is yeah. is a great way to lead off that effort because mm-hmm. I think that that's a player that um, they had kind of had some interest in for some time so being able to slide down a few more spots and then you just continue to have picks yeah. I also like having a couple of rookies at the same position ever oh, okay. when that's possible and it makes sense to do so yeah so you have two receivers you have Danny Isadora to to work and grow with Pat Elfline on yeah. the line I mean that's it's it's going to be interesting to to compare and contrast the way those players who essentially have the same start point in the Vikings yeah. Yeah. progress. How, what their growth is like, yeah. A um, couple of really quick hitters um, so we can get through all of them. Any thoughts on we didn't include or in, in either gaining or using to gain something else, any 2018 compensation? Any thoughts on that? No, I, I think uh, it's good to go in without too much affecting 2018. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so um, it's uh, it's so funny. They were already uh, mock drafts for 2018, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I, yeah. I just kind of had an eye roll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In all honesty, it's like not yet. It's please, ne- it's <laughs> never too soon. Let's uh, let's get some practices in first. Yeah, How about never, that? Never but, too uh, soon. No, I, and well, the thing that. Uh, Rick Spillman has consistently shown is is if he if he enters with say less than seven picks he can make that uh, expand mm-hmm. and then he can even do that this year by um, being aggressive early going and getting players but then adding picks later so I, I like that there was that much um, leeway or, or flexibility I guess mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so I, th- I think that it's it's so early to think about the 2018 draft at all, but uh, it should be pretty solid. Yeah. Um, a position battle or two that you think was enhanced because of a draft pick? 
Well, I mean, just just start it at running back. I think Cook is going to add so much, and it's it's very obvious that Coach Zimmer wants to run the ball better. Everyone wants to run the ball better than than the results we got in in yeah. 2016. So uh, you combine him and the signing of Latavius Murray, the uh, toughness up front. Uh, I like that uh, what Pat brings to the offensive line. I think he's uh, smart. It was fun to listen to the way he answered questions and handled his media session. And uh, once again, the nerve center and just kind of like impacts players around him. I think that he probably has kind of those leadership qualities Mm -hmm. innate that really help that position going forward. Um, And then we do have a a kickoff return opening after uh, four seasons. It's, it hasn't been a battle for four seasons. So that'll, that'll be uh, some fun reps to watch and those preseason games ought to be uh, really interesting to see kickoff. Last one, uh, rookie camp. I'm sure you saw some of the work outside. Um, First of all, we got to be outside for it, so that was cool because it's awful being stuck inside at rookie camp because everyone is <laughs> there's so much pent up desire to be outside. So we were outside, so that was cool. Sunny, um, almost seventy. Yeah, it was perfect. Awesome. Um, I don't think it makes sense to put too much into rookie camp because um, they're not going against guys against whom they will go in the in the regular season or even later in the off season because these are all rookies. Correct. So. With that being said, was there anything you liked that you saw at rookie camp? You know, honestly, the the thing that stuck out the most to me was the the level of crispness. I mm-hmm. thought because I mean the the guys are trying coming from all parts of the country, mm-hmm. all different systems, uh, getting a crash course. Like I mean, you are cramming for your first major test in front of the Vikings coaching staff on yep. this field. And there were, didn't seem to be a lot of mental mistakes. Um, the, the There might be, you know, a, a receiver doing this, a quarterback doing that a little bit, but I thought generally the, the practices were crisp. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that that's um, possibly a function of how much they decided to throw at the guys, but also the guys being able to adapt. Yeah. Uh, if there's one thing we've learned, adaptability is – is pretty helpful. Yeah. So um, that's that's encouraging. All right. Uh, what season will this be for you? Twenty seventeen. Uh, this. So I have four in uh, Nashville, and this will be four in uh, Minnesota. Okay. So, so up to eight. You're coming up to season number eight. I'm gaining on you. It's getting. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it's getting closer and closer. Uh, thanks for coming down and chatting with us. We're gonna bring in. Uh, we're gonna bring in Lindsay and Eric. Now they're gonna break down offense and defense. But thanks for the breakdown on the trades and the overall team. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, there is no better crew of writers in the NFL than what the Vikings Entertainment Network has with yours truly and Craig Peters and our next two guests included. It's Lindsay Young and Eric Smith, both of whom attended the Vikings rookie camp and of course covered the draft. So now that we're um, a week or two out from both of those events. We're going to kind of rehash it. We're going to break it down by offense and defense, and we're going to also kind of come together and have a discussion. So, guys and gal, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks You're for welcome. having us back. Good to see you. you bet. All right, let's break this down. We're going to start. Uh, we're going to go alphabetically, and so defense and offense, that means defense goes first. Perfect. So we're going to talk about some of our defensive players, and that is going to be you, Lindsay. Um, draft plus camp combined, observations about 
the players we added on defense. You heard Craig mm -hmm. uh, mention Jaleel Johnson out of the University of Iowa. Coming up later in the Wobcast, we're going to hear from Bucky Brooks, who also likes Jaleel Johnson right. um, out of the University of Iowa. Nate Vaughn is a fan of the University of Iowa. Okay. So I'm teeing up you to talk about Jaleel Johnson. Perfect. But anyone else, too, <laughs> that you want to talk about, and then I'll follow up with some questions. But um, Jaleel Johnson, your thoughts on that and what – his addition might mean for our team. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know that the Vikings kind of like those Iowa guys, um, mm -hmm. so I think it'll be good just to add that. Uh, another Midwest guy coming in I think will really add to that defensive line room. I think it's kind of exciting whenever there are defensive linemen coming in, no matter where they're picked in mm -hmm. the draft, just because we know that uh, coach Andre Patterson, defensive line coach, that he's been pretty successful with some of these guys and that he really knows what he's looking at and looking for. Sure. for. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's exciting uh, either way. You know, Jaleel was a fifth-year senior, so he had a lot of experience mm -hmm. um, at Iowa. It's interesting, too, that he was taken in the fourth round in both Brian Robinson and Everson Griffin were also yeah. fourth-round picks. Yep. So... It'll be interesting to see where he kind of develops to. Mm -hmm. um, I think that at the defensive tackle position, you know, it's yet to be seen exactly how that will play out. But even last year, there was a lot of kind of by committee mm -hmm. um, on the line. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how he can fit in with, you know, Shamar Stefan and, and things like that. And I thought that he looked, you know, pretty good at camp, excited and, mm -hmm. and ready to go. Yeah. I mean, you add in Afadia Denebo uh, out of Northwestern right? Um, with Jaleel Johnson. And, you know, the Vikings defensive line was a strength of the team, I would say. Absolutely. Um, you know, going even going into the offseason. Mm -hmm. You add Dayton Jones and then these two draft picks. And I'm not opposed to that mm -hmm. um, because there, I think there are two ways to generate improvement. Make a weakness better and make a strength better. Right. Either way, you're you're getting better, right? And so it'll be fun to watch, and I know that you have a good relationship with Andre Patterson, as do I. Um, given the success he's had with Everson Griffin as a starter, because his first year as a starter was Zim and his staff's first year here, um, the way they've helped Brian Robison kind of change his stripes to remain a productive player, um, Shamar Stefan, Daniil Hunter's development as kind of middle or late round picks who are who are producing now. I can't wait to watch the staff work with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you never know, too, if one or both of them will be able to kind of start out on special teams and yeah. and work their way up that way. And, you know, it's good that you brought up Dayton Jones, too. I'd forgotten to mention him. So that's another name that's in the mix, not mm -hmm. drafted, but another new face at that position. Yeah. And I think offenses are becoming... Um, I guess, more multiple and much different than what we're used to seeing in the NFL. And I think defenses have to respond mm -hmm. by also being that way. And I think you're getting out of this, this siloed mentality of, okay, you're a three technique and a three technique only. You're going to play one technique and you're going to have your, your base DN on the left side. Like that, that's kind of going out the window. And you need guys who can do a lot of different things. Um, and I think you you kind of get that with Adenabo and Jaleel Johnson, perhaps. Yeah. Um, do you think anyone else that we drafted has that sort of position flexibility? Well, one of the kind of position battles that I'm looking at is linebacker and what that mm -hmm. will look like. And, um, you know, I think 
it's pretty clear that, you know, you have Anthony Barr coming back, you have Eric Kendricks coming back, but Chad Greenway just retired and kind of are they going to move anybody around and whether or not they do, you know, is yet to be seen, but still kind of who will be that third guy. Um, and so, you know, existing on the roster, you have Emmanuel Lemur, Edmund mm-hmm. Robinson, Kentrell Brothers, but then we drafted both Ben Gedeon and Elijah Lee. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how those guys practice, if they get moved around at all from where they played in college. Yep. Um, and and kind of what kind of athletes they are. I know that, you know, Elijah Lee out of Kansas State was drafted later, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Lieber is kind of high on him. Of course. Might be a little bit biased because yeah. uh, sharing that alma mater. But he seems like yeah. a really athletic guy. Mm-hmm. Um, five interceptions at Kansas State. Yeah. So it'll. I think that'll be interesting. Um, and then, you know, Interesting that we didn't draft a defensive back until our last pick this year. Yes. But bringing in Jack Tocho and seeing Mm -hmm. kind of where he's going to fit, you know, is he going to play cornerback? Is he going to play safety? And he seems like a really, really intelligent guy, too. Um, High academics, came across very intelligent when he was communicating with us on the conference call and and with you on FaceTime. So seems like somebody that they would be able to move around to different yeah. places and see where he fits. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I look at Green Bay adding Martellus Bennett, um, sure. that type of tight end. Detroit also drafted a tight end who um, Bucky, uh, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah are, are going to be high on. People are going to hear that in a minute. These athletic field-stretching tight ends – Bucky Hodges is another one. Like they, they require a hybrid-like athlete in the passing game. Right. Whether it's Elijah Lee, who's a linebacker who could maybe play a safety role, or if it's Tocho who played corner, but maybe he's going to be a safety. Those are the type of athletes you need to right. cover these guys. Absolutely. So, um, an interesting draft class defensively for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. A lot of them in in the later rounds, and then of course, as always, with these middle and late round rookies to make the team. Important to contribute on special teams as well. Definitely. And hopefully these guys have a shot to do that. Right. Um, I know that Ben Gedeon was on like every coverage team at the University of Michigan all four years, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's got some experience doing that. Definitely. And I mean, if they can kind of find their niche there and then continue to develop, you just never know what will yeah. come out after that or, or where they'll be needed or fit. So, yeah. I mean, and the Vikings, you know, with Mike Prefer, they use – they're good pl- defensive players sometimes on on a special teams phase or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think Harrison Smith, he's he's covered some kicks even recently. I mean, he's one of the best safeties in the game. Chad Greenway obviously uh, played special teams really early in his career. That's where right. he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He was a first-round pick. So um, you only right now we have 90 guys, and you think that's a ton. But in the season, you only have 53, and right. fo- only 46 get to play. Mm-hmm. So. Very few of them only do one thing for you. They have to do a lot of different things. So um, I kind of get like versatility, position flexibility, the theme of the defensive players. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Um, All right, Eric, offensive players. Hello. That's the theme uh, for the defensive players. Do you have a theme of our of the offensive players we drafted, or um, any other observations from the draft or camp? Yeah, I think uh, if you look early on, it's uh, gritty, maybe or. Mm Um, smash mouth, you know, as Craig mentioned earlier, you know, Zimmer obviously wants to run the ball more. Yeah. And if you just look at Dalvin Cook and Pat Elfline, that addresses those needs pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, it pretty much says, hey, we're going to we're gonna run it. And Yeah, so it kind of continues the theme of the offseason and free agency, right? I mean, you sign 
Latavius Murray. You sign Mike Remmers and Riley Reef. You know, I think Remmers and Reef can be good pass protectors, but if I think for most people, if you're like, what are they good at? They're good run blockers. Agreed. Right? Okay. Right. So, um, so I guess the offensive player acquisition in the draft kind of followed what it was in free agency. It 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 wasn't this area for free agency and this other area for the draft. It was kind of the both the both of them were the same. Okay. And and that's not to say that we're not gonna stop throwing the ball yeah but i just think the running game was just such a weak point at times last mm-hmm. year that it's just got to be better mm-hmm. okay um how about the two receivers because you know we talked about the running game and smash mouth but we also drafted two receivers so yeah i look at them? them as receivers i think um maybe penciling them maybe more as special teams guys mm-hmm. um obviously with a kick returner opening you know i'm kind of looking at them to see how they develop there at rookie camp, they both were returning punts. Mm-hmm. That kind of caught my eye, um, maybe because they didn't have anyone else to do it. But I think their versatility will come in handy. They're just looking for any way they can uh, yeah. catch the eye of the coaches and make an impact. Yeah. One thing I noticed on day three of the draft was, because we were doing all this trading back, um, and and so a lot of times when you do too much of one thing, no matter how good it was the first and second time, if you do too much of it, people start to get negative on it. And so I think that kind of was happening with all the trading back. But then where where it turned was when we took Bucky Hodges. Yeah, for sure. sure. In terms of public sentiment. Okay, so you kind of agree with that. So talk about him and why you think that is and what your expectations are for him. Because I think if we're not careful, people are going to start to think like Jimmy Graham and – all, and all of this like in year one and I just, I, I, I'd, I'd pump the brake yeah, on that so you what know? do you think about him uh, well at the tight end I mean obviously Rudy is the clear number one right and I think the Vikings like what they have in Dave in David Morgan mm-hmm. I think you know he showed flashes as is in his rookie year and looking for some improvement there but to me Bucky is almost like a project but a good project to have he doesn't need to come in and be Jimmy Graham mm-hmm. you know but I think what kind of caught people's eye is that he's a big guy, you know, 6'6", 260, mm-hmm. uh, was pretty productive at Virginia Tech, even though he switched to tight end in college. Mm-hmm. And I think people are excited for his potential. Okay. And that's not to say he's going to be a superstar right away or maybe even after two years. Mm-hmm. But if he develops and can progress over the years, then maybe, yep. maybe the Vikings found something. Yeah, and I think um – uh, with Pat Shermer, who's got, you know, he's he's a kind of a quarterback guy too, but he also has coached tight ends. We've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that before. So I think that you know he, you know, Bucky Hodges should come here and and he, really, I did. really think he's in a good spot. I mean, yeah. obviously he's in the NFL, so he's going to be happy no matter what. But we we talk a lot about for draft picks, it it really matters more so than when you were drafted. It matters where you went. And I think for Bucky Hodges to come here and, like, the Giants took a tight end in the first round this year, Ingram, I believe. Like, mm-hmm. he's got to come in and he's he needs to catch there's, the ball, like, pressure right there. away and score, okay? Because the Giants were, I think they won 11 games last year. Tight end is a kind of a missing piece in their offense, and they have a quarterback who's won two Super Bowls and is going to go to the Hall of Fame. So, like, he's going to have to come in and, and produce. Bucky Hodges is going to come in and have an opportunity to produce, but he's got Kyle Rudolph already here, and he's got Pat Shermer, who's got some tight end street cred, right? So I think this is a good spot for him. Yeah, I think there's less pressure on Bucky, Mm -hmm. but 
that's not to say he's not going to get any opportunities. Right. You know, the opportunity is going to be there. It's a good spot to, for, him. To, for him to take advantage yeah. of. Okay, so we're going to combine you guys here. I'm going to ask the same question to both of you. Training camp, and I asked Craig this too earlier, training camp battles, um, maybe that you can't wait to see happen. And I know we've been talking about draft picks and the rookies and all that. You don't have to incorporate that into your thinking on this one, but you can if you want. Okay. But aside from the the veteran mini camp that's coming up, the next big thing is training camp, right. which is hard to believe that mm -hmm. we're we're already about ready to talk about that. But a big part of training camp is position battles. So your side of the ball is defense. So I want to know a training camp battle or two that you're very excited to go and watch. All right. Um, I know I already mentioned this a little bit, but I still have to go back to it. I'm really interested to see what happens at linebacker. The third linebacker that spot. That third linebacker yep. spot. Um, and I don't really look at it as like a 1v1, but just this group of linebackers that mm -hmm. I think they all have interesting skill sets, a little bit different type mm -hmm. of skill sets. Um, and with the three guys that we already have, plus the two that we just drafted, I think that there's interest in all five of those guys. And yeah. so, it, you know, looking to see who's going to really stand out, and especially mm -hmm. at training camp with so many practices and things like that, who yeah. will consistently yep. grab coaches' attention. So that's mine. Yeah, and, and kind of how they go about it. Because I think if you really look at it, it's like at most 25 snaps in a game, right. you know, for Chad right. last year. Yep. 20 to 25 there was someone that was single digits so you're not looking at at like a super key spot in terms of snap count right but it's I, I'm kind of excited to see them experiment with are, are they going to keep Kendricks in the middle because mm -hmm. if they do that you're really looking at kind of three guys right to compete for the outside spot right if if they want to experiment with moving Kendricks outside which I don't know if they will or not uh -huh. you, you know not neither one of us do but now you're kind of looking at a different subset of guys. Sure, yeah. So and maybe they do some of both. So they're mul it's multifaceted depending yeah. on what happens. Even yep. with the even with like you said, Kendricks, who we know is a sure thing, but where he plays could affect the the battle for that third spot. Exactly. All right, Eric. Yeah, I'm gonna go with wide receiver. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was a kind of a position of scrutiny last year. Mm -hmm. I think the Vikings have been looking for consistent production at that position for a while mm -hmm. um obviously you have stefan diggs and adam thielen two guys who nearly cracked a thousand yards on their own last year um laquan treadwell i think they're mm -hmm. obviously looking for a big step from him uh jarius wright is still on the roster yep obviously with the new addition of michael floyd and then you throw in adams and coley the draft picks that's what six, seven guys right yeah. there, and that doesn't. You know, I know they like uh, Isaac Fricky. Yes. You know, how many how many wide receivers are they going to keep? Six, seven, five or six, five probably. Or six. Yeah. I mean, if we mention eight guys right there, yeah, two guys who aren't going to be there. Yep. That's and I, I guess there's potential for a practice squad for the rookies. Sure. Or maybe Fricky again. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think the that position is going to be one to watch at camp, uh, and I think also a wild card. Um, punter yeah at camp i mean yeah. we, are, we are gonna have a new punter this year yes we are yeah. um whether it's uh taylor samank or ryan quigley right and we're not gonna forget about special teams coach prefer is always honest about that right like there are there are <laughs> position day. battles on special teams too I right see yeah, every day absolutely yeah so all right well it'll be fun to watch we're gonna get to watch it here at otas which are coming up and then obviously the uh, mandatory mini camp in the middle of june but mostly once we get down to Mankato for training camp. But uh, lots to get to before then. Thanks, guys, for coming down to chat. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let's keep talking about the draft. Let's get a draft grade. You can't talk about 
what has happened in a draft without grades, right? Right. So everyone... Im- immediate grades with, right. with no playing time right. under their belts. Everyone loves the grades. So our guys at NFL Network, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, evaluated the NFC North's performance in the 2017 NFL Draft. They gave every single team a grade, including your Vikings, who got a B. Here's what they had to say about the rest of our division. All right, just because Bucky Brooks demanded it, we're going to hand out some more draft grades here. We're going to look at the NFC North. Bucky loves draft grades. Always want to be a teacher. And what we've got here, we've got the four teams. We've got their selections round one through five, so we don't have the sixth and seventh rounders here. But uh, let's hand out some grades to them. To me, look, the Bears, Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, we've talked about it a bunch. Let's leave that one alone. And to me, when I look at Adam Shaheen and Tariq Cohen, some small school players, Jordan Morgan as well, I like the small school guys. I gave him a B minus overall. I did not love the move for Trubisky, but Adam Shaheen is like another son to me, Bucky. I know you're, I've you're been all riding the Shaheen horse throughout the, all of our tapings of Pat for the draft. He's a traditional wide tight end, speed. He's great after the catch, uh, big catch radius, red zone guy. And then Tariq Cohen, another one of our favorites, undersized running back from North Carolina A&T, is Darren Sproles 2.0. You can get him involved. In the passing game, I like what he brings to the table. So B-minus here for the Chicago Bears. I mean, it's a nice grade. Nice haul for the Chicago Bears. It all depends upon the quarterback. Everyone is upset because they made the trade for the quarterback. But if the quarterback comes and balls out, all will be forgotten. The Minnesota Vikings, I'm going to give them a B. I'm going to give them a B because you're talking about a team without a first-round pick. Yet, I believe they picked one of the best running backs in the draft in Dalvin Cook. And in Dalvin Cook, they get someone that could be really a game-changer in that offense. This team is transitioning under Sam Bradford as the franchise quarterback. You want someone in the backfield that can really help him. He can help him in the run game, but also he can be dynamic in the pass game. He's a big fit. But on the defensive side of the ball, Jaleel Johnson from Iowa. Uncertainty about Sharif Floyd. Is he going to be able to give them anything? Jaleel Johnson is terrific at the point of attack. Quick hands, outstanding feet, has the ability to really push and and move on the other side of the line of scrimmage. He is someone that should come in and compete. Help them. I think he has an opportunity to crack the start lineup as a starter. Somebody look at this Vikings draft hall here after the end of the college season and say, wait, they don't have a first-round pick. How would they get Dalvin Cook? So it ended up working out pretty well for them. The Lions, I gave them an A-minus here, Bucky, and I like what they were able to accomplish all the way through the draft. I mean, Michael Roberts... I think he's got a chance to be a starting tight end. Jamal Agnews could be a nickel for him. But let's start at the top and what they did with Jared Davis, the linebacker. Somebody that came throughout the process, Buck, you're talking about height, weight, speed, check, 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 character, leadership, the range, the instincts. He has all that. He's got a chance to be a difference maker day one. And they got his teammate in Tease Tabor, who kind of fell in their lap because he didn't run very well. But I think inside this scheme, the ball skills that he possesses, that playmaking ability, something that they covet. I think he'll be a good fit for this football team. I like what the Detroit Lions did. Yeah, Terrell Austin to find a way to put Tease Tabor in a situation where he can be productive. I like both of those guys, particularly the gays at the top. Green Bay Packers, I'm going to give a B plus. This is a team that really goes on the measurables, the trace. They got some really good players. King and Jones, Montrevious Adams to me is a guy that could be a sleeper still. But I'm going to go back up top. Kevin King, someone that has come through here. We saw the size, the length, the competitiveness. Just a very solid player on the outside. He can press. He can play off. He should be a nice fit in Dom Caper's system. Then we go with Josh Jones. He has been a guy that we've talked about at nauseum about being a versatile player, a guy that can drop in the box, play the deep middle. He's tough. 
He's physical. He's athletic. He is everything that you're looking for to have an opportunity to start in that secondary. You have Morgan Burnett. You have Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I think he's going to push Morgan Burnett for that starting job. Now, he's a really good football player. Now, for those at home that want more draft grades, you can find them all NFL.com slash draft grades for all of our draft grades. Now, let's send it over to our A-minus host, Red. Lots of Jaleel Johnson talk, Nate. I know that makes you happy. It does as an Iowa fan. Um, but I'm willing to be professional about it now that we are <laughs> we're co-workers now. I'll, I'll just say we're co-workers, Jaleel Johnson and I. So much St. Paul and Iowa talk in this Wobcast. <laughs> this might be my favorite one that we've done yet. So much. It's maxed out. Um, I like what Bucky had to say about, um, about Cook and Jaleel Johnson. That's good. Interesting. A couple of notes I took from what they said about the rest of the class. The Bears who a lot of people have been critical of their draft, I thought these two were, were pretty nice about it and actually had a good perspective. Like, you can criticize them for the trade they made to get the quarterback they took, but if they're right about the quarterback, they are the smart ones, and we're all not the smart ones. Um, Adam Shaheen and Tariq Cohen. I heard a lot of good things about tight end Adam Shaheen. That's who the Bears took in the second round, and I watched – some of Tariq Cohen's tape leading up to the draft because I knew that we would take a running back, or I had a really good idea that we would take a running back. I just didn't know when, so I thought... You had some steam? Yeah, I did. Oh, boy, I had some steam. And so I thought, I need to know one or two things about like every running back in this class because we're going to take one, and I'm going to have to have some sort of opinion soon. So I watched Tariq Cohen, and um, and I liked, I liked him a lot. So um, two interesting uh, players there in the Bears draft class uh, from the Lions. They basically described Jared Davis as a clean player. Height, weight, speed, character, ability, um, and then uh, fit with his team. Um, both of those guys, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, like Jared Davis. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, two mid-round picks they slated as possible starters. Michael Roberts, the tight end out of Toledo, and Jamal Agnew, a corner out of San Diego, could be a starter at nickel, according to Daniel Jeremiah. Go to the Green Bay Packers. And um, they gave the Packers a B plus, and the two guys they talked about were two members of the secondary, their first two picks of the draft, both second rounders, Kevin King, the corner, and Josh Jones, the safety, saying Josh Jones has a chance to push uh, Burnett for a starting spot at safety. That will be interesting to see. I never know, Nate, how to feel about the Packers when they take uh, when they sign a free agent of note or draft someone early. When they draft defensive players or sign defensive players, part of me is like, yes, they didn't give Aaron Rodgers another good receiver. And then part of me is like, oh, man, if their defense catches up to their offense at all, they're going to be even tougher to beat. Yeah, um, and, and it seems like – this is probably not always the case, but it seems like when they, have, they feel like they have a need, they address it in bunches. Yeah. Like a few years yeah. ago, they drafted it was it was like three cornerbacks or something yep. like that, mm -hmm. um, and they still have a few of them. But you see here, like you mentioned, the, their first two picks are defensive backs, probably a corner and probably a safety. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just it seems like that's their approach a decent amount of time. Yeah, it so. does, and hard to really argue with it, I guess, because um, the Packers have been good for a long time. I don't know how much of that has to do with player acquisition, considering they have one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but um, you can't criticize them either way. Okay, you guys have heard a lot from our experts uh, at the NFL Network, and you've heard a lot from us. Now it's time to hear from you guys via fan mail. Nate has three of them. We're going to answer some questions 
Who is question number one? Question number one's from Peter. All right, Peter. It says, with newly acquired Michael Floyd, Mm -hmm. do you think he will be the new number one wide receiver? Mm. Diggs would probably stay in the slot, but what would that mean for fan favorite Adam Thielen? Okay, um, again, I don't want to be the wet blanket of the group, but, um, you know, Michael Floyd, as the team acknowledged after signing him, may be subject to NFL discipline for some off-field transgressions, and is joining the club in the middle of the offseason. So I think it's a little presumptuous to talk about being the number one wide receiver when you're bringing back your top two guys from last year, Thielen and Diggs. Nearly 1,000-yard receivers, like Eric mentioned earlier. Right. Those two guys are in, and their playing time and production, I don't think, would be affected by signing Michael Floyd. Now, if you had signed Alshon Jeffrey back in March, different story. Yeah, probably. Uh, but not, when you sign a guy, in, you know, in the early part of May, you know, I just, I just don't think that you're going to elevate him to number one wide receiver. So, um, this does not affect Thielen in my view at all, or Diggs. Um, you can move Diggs around, so maybe Diggs will play a little less on the outside than he would have if Floyd ends up making the team in plays. Maybe he is almost exclusively your slot guy. I'd be okay with that because I think he's dangerous in there. But um, I think this makes. I think this gives the Vikings potential to be better at receiver. That's all I would put it. Yeah. Fair? If nothing else, it's a, it's another veteran receiver in mm-hmm. that room. And that's of, a good of point, Of which too. they don't have a ton of veteran right. receivers right now. That anyway. is a good point. Um, um, you know, he's been through a lot of battles. And, and the Arizona Cardinals have been good in Floyd's tenure. So he's yeah. played in big games. So um, they weren't very good last year, but that was really the first year they weren't good, I believe, with with Michael Floyd on the roster. So that helps. And as we talked about earlier, Nate, he's also the big body wide receiver guy. So even if he's not 35, 45 snaps a game wide receiver for you, he could be 12 snaps a game all on the red zone and all on third down for you. So he could be a chain mover and a touchdown scorer. So we'll see. Second question from Chris. From what Chris has read, the Vikings draft was considered strong, but it keeps coming back to our offensive line being such an issue that uh, that the predictions have been eight and eight, six and ten, seven and nine for our uh, yeah. for our record next yeah. year. He's talking about Chris doesn't get it. We were five and zero and considered a playoff team last year. Why are we considered a third place team behind Green Bay and Detroit all of a sudden? Yeah, I understand this because fans watch NFL Network or Sports Center or whatever, and they see teams getting talked about. And when their team isn't talked about in a nice way, they don't like that. Yeah, it's a and, bad deal. Yes, and and when people do predictions on division standings, they want their team to be predicted to be in first place. The funny thing about that is Zimmer is the opposite. When he turns on Sports Center, um, listens to the Wobcast. Um, or walks into the cafeteria where NFL Network is playing nonstop. He does not want to see the Vikings logo on the screen. He does not want to be predicted to go eleven and five and win the division. You know, so like there's a dichotomy there. I think the reason is that everyone knew that the offensive line was our biggest need going into the offseason. And I think that signing offensive linemen is not a sexy addition. And so when that's your need and then you go and satisfy that need, it's not something that gets talked about a lot because it's not fun to talk about offensive linemen. They don't have highlight plays. They don't score touchdowns. They're oftentimes not media darlings who love to be on camera. So when your business is fixing the offensive line, I just think you're a team that's going to get lost. 
Um, so I think that's why, even though we have addressed it, I think that's why we're not getting talked about very much. And I think Zimmer likes that. Yeah, and and if you think about it, having the season we did two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, winning the NFC North division, the team, uh, apart from a f- like one or two big differences, one of them being the quarterback situation last year, there wasn't a lot different yeah. in last year's team. There there have been a few more changes this year, but if you just look at last year, eight and eight, everybody has said that's not okay for right. this team. So you're eight and eight, you make some changes. Um, I don't see why this team wouldn't be back in the picture. It doesn't really make sense not to have them back in the picture. I agree. Also, people... Don't put me on SportsCenter, please. Okay, (laughs) I won't. Also, when people are making predictions on TV, they want to be right, so they do what is safe, and they feel safe in just predicting who was there last year. Yeah. Really. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And also, when the Vikings went 11-5 and and won the division in 2015, we were talking about this type of thing that off season because right. we were seven and nine and no one fully believed in teddy bridgewater um in terms of national media heading into 2015 so we were talking about the same thing why don't people believe in us they're picking us to finish third and fourth why don't they believe in us and then we won the division so i would love for the same thing to happen but um i guess the moral of the story is don't get too worked up over what they say about you on TV. Now that we just talked about it for five minutes. Exactly. Uh, question number three is from Eddie. What will we do about offensive tackle depth? TJ Clemmings is a disappointing player, Eddie says, <laughs> and I'd rather not repeat that if an injury occurs. Yeah. Is King Dunlap an option? Okay. I don't know if King Dunlap is an option or not. He's a solid player, but we don't know about that, so we'll we'll set that aside for now. I, I, I just want to go back to... A couple of things. First is TJ Clemmings. I just, we have to remember we drafted him and he was like 21 or 22 and had only played offensive line for two years because he was a defensive lineman um, in college and he was actually a big time basketball player in high school. So when it comes to his arc of development, like he's still coming, he's still ascending. He, I mean, this is literally a, like, he, he is someone that we have to mold. So even though he got a ton of experience as a rookie, he's still developing. And so I'm not giving up on him as a guy who can make a roster and help you. So don't confuse that with, I think TJ Clemming should start at left tackle over Riley Reef. That's not what we just said. I'm just saying, guy's a fourth-round pick. He's still early in his career, and he's learning to play the position. So let's not give up on him yet. That being said, one thing I like about drafting Elfline and Danny Isadora, is what I think that did was create competition at center and right guard uh, with Joe Berger, where those three guys, I think two of them will will have the potential to start. And so that could kick Jeremiah Searles out from guard to tackle and helps your tackle depth. Um, so I think by drafting a guard you and really two guards, You've improved your tackle depth. Um, and so I'm a little more optimistic about our depth at offensive tackle than I was entering the offseason because we signed two starters in free agency, and I think we'll have the option, if we want, to kick Searles out to tackle. And I'm a little higher on TJ Clemmings as a reserve than most. Yeah, it, it's kind of tough to – and we've been saying this now for two seasons, but it's, it's tough to – T.J. Clemmings can be an easy target for fans. 
Uh, but it's it's tough to pin a lot on him because uh, how often do you pick a I don't want to say a project lineman, but how often do you pick a lineman with the amount of experience he has in the fourth round and then expect him to be your starting left or right tackle against the Denver Broncos? Which he did. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So uh, if if you just if you put frame it like that. It, yes, it, it's a little right. easier to say. Okay, well, let's take a step back and let's let's give this guy a chance. And I think some people almost drive off the road if they're if they're driving while listening, you know, to me or us talk about Clemmings and not want to cut him. But there there has to be some middle ground between we got to cut this guy; he can't do anything. And okay, we're going to start him as a rookie at right tackle. Like we're in the middle somewhere with TJ. Right. I just don't know where exactly that's going to be once the season starts. But I have a feeling he, you know, he's got a good shot to be on the roster, and I just don't think you give up on a guy who's, I don't know how for sure old he is, twenty two or twenty three, and he's got the athleticism that he has, um, and I think he can learn from the experiences that he's already had. And you're right, the Vikings did not think that they were going to start T.J. Clemmings at right tackle for sixteen games when they used a fourth round pick on him. So um, anyway, he's still progressing. Is that it? I think that's it. All well, right. we, we we have one more piece. Oh, that's as, right. As you see, because we're, we're going to leave our audience on a good note. I, I watched this on Vikings.com, and I, I'm i like... What was that website one more time? Vikings.com. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's an arm of the Vikings Entertainment Network, and it is an avenue um, that you can use to consume lots of content, written video and photo. This is... A video on Vikings.com. Of course, you can't watch video on the Wobcast, so you're going to listen to this. This is former GM Charlie Casserly, who's going to talk about something that's going to get you excited. So if if your dapper is down on the Vikings, this is your fix. Here's Charlie Casserly talking about what it will take and how close the Vikings are to playing in a Super Bowl that will be hosted by their own stadium. Charlie Casserly, take it away. Minnesota's hosting the Super Bowl next year. What do Mike Zimmer's Vikings need to do to get anywhere close to it? Well, I'll tell you what. They tried to address their weaknesses in the offseason with the offensive line and then running game. That's what killed them last year. They got a top-five defense. The defense has already got them to Minnesota, to me, in the Super Bowl. But the offense, here's what they did. We all know we talked about the offensive line being a very weak position in the draft. So what do you do? you got to hit it hard in free agency. But you can only get who's there. So they signed two veterans, Riley Reef at left tackle, Mike Remmers at right tackle. Now, they're not A-plus guys because you don't get A-plus offensive linemen at tackle in free agency. But they're an improvement of what they worked with last year. Then they went out and got Latavius Murray in free agency because they didn't have anybody else to get at that point. Solid back. And then they may have hit the home run in the draft with Dalvin Cook, a top 10 player who, through his own fault, drops to the second round. If he can stay on the field, they got the runner. Obviously, they got a good quarterback, I think, in Sam Bradford. They got a championship defense. So the key will be Remmers and Reef. Can they hold up a tackle? The backs are going to be good. So, yeah, I start with-